All right, let's turn our Bibles once again to the great 119th Psalm. The 119th Psalm will continue looking at the riches of God's law, Psalm 119. Billy Graham says we should begin the day with the Bible. And as it comes to a close, let the word speak its wisdom to our souls. Let it be the staff of life upon which our spirit is nourished. Let it be the sword of the spirit which cuts away the evil of our lives and fashions us in his image and likeness. Uh, boy, what an insight, Billy Graham. Uh, Psalm 119, of course, is a masterpiece about God's word. And it uses many terms to describe God's word. We see statutes, precepts, commandments, testimonies, ordinances, and of course the word law. Uh, each of those, of course, refer to God's uh, word in total, but they also each give a different insight of depth. And we're just looking at the word law, and that means direction and instruction. And let's take a look at some things we've looked at last couple Sundays about the richness of God's law. Uh, we see in verse 1 of this psalm that it, the law brings happiness. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Uh, so that word blessed can be also happy. Happy are those, blessed are those. Uh, so it is a source of blessing. Uh, if you want to be happy in life, just obey God's law. It's pretty simple really is. You find people that walk away from God's law, they get into a lot of trouble and a lot of heartache. So it brings happiness. You know, a lot of times we got a negative impression. We think of the law, and we think, well, you can't do this, and you can't do that. But I tell you what, it is the way to happiness. Uh, a second thing we looked at is that God's law brings wonder into our lives. Look at verse 18. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Uh, of course, remember the writer Charlotte's Web, E.B. White, always be on the lookout for the presence of wonder. And especially with God's word. Uh, we just need to approach God's word with a sense of wonder. And we just need to ask God, show me uh, the wonder that is in your words. Your know, life can be so mundane. It just can be ordinary. It just seems like day after day is just the same. But when we pick up God's Word, we're picking up a supernatural book because we have a supernatural God. And we just need to realize uh, there, God has great wonders in His Word. Just ask Him to show them. A third thing we looked at is that God's law is more valuable than all wealth. Uh, we see that in verse 14. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. And then verse 72, which I think uses the word law. Yeah, uh, verse 72, the law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. You see, God's word has eternal riches. And, you know, David is pointing out to us, why should we wallow in the things of the world when we can walk in the riches that God has for us in his word. So it has great value. Uh, we also looked at that it is a source, God's law is a source of delight. Uh, we see that in verse 77. 
Let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live, for thy law is my delight. Uh, so, you know, as we look at God's word, we need to certainly read it, need to meditate on it, need to memorize it, uh, but we also need to delight in it. And delight here is a settled pleasure, similar to rejoicing, but with a longer lasting effect. A settled pleasure, delight in God's word, his law. Well, let's continue. Let's look at a couple more uh, tonight. A couple other things we see. Uh, a fifth one we could add is that God's law upholds us in affliction. Take a look at verse 92. Verse 92. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. Uh, verse 153 also carries the same thought. Uh, consider mine affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget thy law. We need to remember that all suffering and punishment, or uh, all suffering and affliction is not punishment. Uh, need to keep that straight. You know, there's a lot in the Christian realm that would uh, look at a person that's sick or if they're just struggling and just having a lot of uh, difficult times, well, the first thing that comes to their mind is, well, they must have sinned. They must have really messed up and done something wrong. Uh, what? Verse 71 is what we're saying. Oh, oh um, let's, let me take a look at that. Yeah, yeah, that fits with that. I like that too. Yeah, that, that, I like that too, John. Yeah, it's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Uh, yeah, so not all, when something bad happens, it's not because we're sinful, not necessarily, really isn't. Uh, we can be living righteous lives. Uh, a good example in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, John chapter 9. You know, Jesus deals with this thought here, in John 9, verse 1. Uh, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That, that was the common thinking. Uh, something, somewhere, somebody messed up, and, it, and this is what happened. But Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And boy, it is a marvelous narrative of uh, the healing of the blind man and his testimony. And we can look at people today, you know, Christians that suffer, uh, that have, go through great physical trials. Uh, their testimony shines brighter because of that and what God has done in that glorifies God. Uh, it's interesting, the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus begins his great body of teaching uh, that would run really counter to, the, to this type of uh, health and prosperity thinking. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst. And, and the blessings come out of those type conditions. So God's law upholds us in affliction. Uh, Job, the entire book, deals with that issue. So we can be spiritual, we can be pure, we can be righteous, totally following Jesus, and we can experience 
affliction. And in such times, the word of God, the law of God, is our upholder. It is our shield. It is our protector. Uh, it is our teacher in such times, as verse 71 points out. And the word of God, it helped David. Uh, Dr. Phillips says it gave him something to hang on to when his world was falling apart. Uh, so when things get tough, God's word is our rock that we can stand on. Uh, man, it becomes alive in those times. We pick up more richness from times of difficulty in God's word. Uh, and what carried David through his affliction was this lifelong habit of reading God's word, marking it, learning it, meditating on it, and, and, and uh, obeying God's law. Isn't it interesting that in the temptation account that Jesus had in the wilderness with, with the devil, that his weapon that he pulled out was the word of God. Uh, he, he didn't do any miracles. In fact, Satan tried to tempt him to do some miracles. But Jesus stepped away from doing a miracle and just simply replied with God's word. That's something any of us can do. And I think he did that for a reason, just for that purpose. So it upholds us in affliction. And then a, another one we see about God's law is that it is worthy of our time. Uh, let's look at verse 97. And here the psalmist says, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. I remember years ago we had uh, Ellen Boyd came in from the Home Mission Board, and he pointed out as he taught us that day that our most valuable resource we have is time. is isn't money or possessions, it's time. Uh, we only spend it once, and we can't get it back. Uh, you can't store it up. You just get it one day at a time, that's it. Uh, I don't know about you, but a lot of times you work on the internet uh, and you get these stupid pop-up ads. Or if you want to look at a video, you have to, uh, they show you a stupid advertisement. You have to watch 30 seconds of some dumb advertisement before you can get to the video. Man, by the time, I'm not even bother looking at the video I was looking at. Just go on to something else. But lots of time robbers out there. We all have the same 24 hours each day given to us. How do we spend it? And we see here that David, uh, the psalmist, he spent a lot of his time just meditating on God's word. He spent great amounts. It is my meditation all the day. Uh, Dr. Boyce uh, makes an interesting uh, application to this verse here from the life of C.S. Lewis. Uh, C.S. Lewis, one of his uh, books, and I, I haven't looked at this closely, but it's called Reflections on the Psalms. And in it, C.S. Lewis has a chapter on the love of God's law. And it's interesting what he points out, because uh, Lewis in it will take a look at various writers of the psalm, David and others, that write in the psalms. And one of the things Lewis, early in his Christian life, is that he thought it was really strange how the psalmist could love God's law. He, saw, he said that was just really odd to him. I mean, he, he could understand how a writer could respect uh, a, a good law and try to obey it. But to delight in God's law, that, that seemed as strange as delighting in, in the tools of a dentist as, as he takes drills on, on your teeth. He just thought that was just really 
uh, different. I mean, it's needful, but how can you delight in it? Uh, and and part, he says the answer is, uh, of course, it in, includes God's promises, but it also includes the warnings and judgments. He points out that uh, these specific commandments, the law, that they keep us from every evil path. In other words, it's not just the promises that they delight in, but it's also the laws as well. And, and this is what C.S. Lewis discovered about God's law. Uh, Lewis calls it the engaging moral order of the divine mind. A lot of times we think of love, we think of it as an emotion. But when we look at Psalm 119, it is not particularly built on emotion. It's not an emotional psalm. It is ordered, it is carefully constructed, and it reflects, uh, the psalmist is reflecting the mind of God. That's what Lewis began to see. Uh, in fact, Lewis writes, uh, looking at the laws of God. He said, the order of the divine mind embodied in the divine law is beautiful. Therefore, what should a man do but try to reproduce it so far as possible in his daily life? His delight is in those statutes. To study them is like finding treasure. They affect him like music are his songs. They taste like honey. They are better than silver and gold. As one's eyes are more and more open, one sees more and more in them, and it excites wonder. This is not priggery. It is the language of a man ravished by moral beauty. If we cannot at all share his experience, we shall be losers. So Lewis saw a great beauty and delight in God's law. I didn't see it at first, but it's the more we look at God's law, and look at all the benefits it does. Uh, I mean, it is a source of wisdom. It keeps us on the right path and off the wrong ones. Uh, we have God as our teacher. It is sweet to our spiritual taste, and it keeps us from evil and causes us to hate every wrong path. Amen. Now, the world will never understand that. Our nation is in a time that it does not understand that, but God's people do. God's law is valuable and something to delight in. Now what we value and what we love, we spend our time on, like our church. You know, we spend a lot of time with our church and our church family. Uh, that's valuable. Our families, uh, if we value our family, we treasure them, we spend a lot of time with them. And God and Christ and his word should, should have a high time value. So let me encourage, make sure you continue with your daily walk. Uh, if you're not doing that, get consistent. Get daily. In fact, it's probably more important that we be consistent than total amount of time. Uh, a lot of times some pe people, well, you know, one day I read, spent God's word reading 30 minutes to an hour. Then they don't do nothing for three days. Then they read it again. Get consistent. We, we're better off with 10-15 uh, minutes of consistency every day and then build from there. So give a consistent time and then add to it, build lots of it. Uh, so read it daily, uh, memorize it. You guys are, are working on stuff, right? Memorizing? Uh-huh. I, I know some of you are, and I, I know, how, I know uh, 
Gloria, you're working on Habakkuk, right? All right. She got almost that whole book memorized. Wow, isn't that good? Isn't that something? Man, that's rich. Lydia, how you doing? Okay. Well, get back on track. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I'm, I had to get back on track with Philippians, so I hear you. So memorize it. That takes time. Man, you can spend 15, 30 minutes real quick working on that. Then meditate it through the day. You know, just think about it, recite it, get a break or something, just open God's Word again, take a look at it. Uh, take a look at those verses that stand out. We certainly don't want to be a Christian that uh, the only time they look at their Bibles and they come to church on Sunday, open it up, and that's the last time they look at it until next Sunday rolls around, and then they wonder where they put their Bible. Don't want to be like that. So we need to give our time to God's worth. It is worth it. It is valuable. Lots of blessings in God's law. Got a couple more to look at, but we'll look at those uh, next time.